Hi everyone, this is John Diner. I'm a bird fan forever, and you're on the Bird Fans Forever podcast. Go birds! Hello everyone. Welcome to Bird Fan Forever podcast number 14. Reminder to everyone, if you haven't already done so, to follow us on Twitter, at BirdFansForever. And our central point of information is our website, www.BirdFansForever.com. On the website, you can find tabs with links to our podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, and others, as well as a tab to access our videos on YouTube, where we're also called Bird Fans Forever. So subscribe and follow us on Twitter and YouTube so you can be up to date with everything going on from us. Our guest for today is RB4L Dan Butterly, who is head manager of the Redbirds from 1989 to 1993 and is current commissioner of the Big West Conference. Interestingly, his career scoring stat with the Birds was... Okay, we'll get to that later. Here we go with Dan Butterly. All right, we're here. This is Bird Fans Forever podcast, and we have my manager, Dan Butterly, my boy. So he uh, got to ISU in 89 after spending a year at some other university, which we will ask him about, and then was done in 92. So we have a whole bunch of great stories, um, and we are starting off like we normally do. How did you get to ISU? Yeah, John, you, you indicated it's great. First of all, it's great to be with you guys. I literally was asked today uh, by Division One D1 Ticker, which is a college athletics news service, what my favorite podcast was. And I said, there's only one podcast I'll listen to, and it's Bird Fans Forever. <laughs> so that will probably be some kind of publication uh, coming up. So I just wanted to make sure that all Bird fans are watching Bird Fans Forever and listening. Uh, John, so that's my official endorsement. Uh, you'll see that in publication soon. But, you know, it's great to be with you guys. I, I love this podcast. I've really enjoyed listening to everyone you guys have put together. But, yeah, I transferred over from Illinois State. Uh, Coach Bender got hired uh, with his staff. I literally, uh, that summer when he got hired, I uh, grew up in Washington, Illinois. I was back at my parents' house during the summer uh, and sent a letter over to Coach Bender and the staff just saying, hey, I'd be interested in keeping stats for the team, um, you know, when and it sent me a letter just a couple days later, which tells you how great the staff was. And they said, hey, when you get on campus, come see us. Uh, we'd love to talk to you. So I'm like, oh, great. You know, this is great. Wow, I got a letter. I think I still got the letter in my scrapbook. But uh, <laughs> but when the second, second day on campus, had registered for classes, done all the stuff I need to do. Uh, I walk over to Redburn Arena, and I go in there. Margie Dillow's the, the secretary in the office, and uh, she gives me an application. I fill out the application. And, this guy walks by, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, another student probably interested in the manager job. And, you know, he, he comes over and says hello, and, you know, I didn't think anything of it. And I said, so is that another manager candidate? And Marcy's like, no, that, that's Coach Bender. That's the new coach. I'm like, wow, I just made a great impression on that guy. I mean, it's like, you know, holy smokes. But uh, so, you know, they said, yep, we'll, uh, we'll call you. So I get a call a couple days later, and uh, they said, hey, can you come over to, to, to meet with us? I said, absolutely. You tell me when. So I went over that afternoon. Uh, and it's, I'm meeting with Coach Morris, Bob Morris, and Eric Hughes uh, at the time, and um, go into the, the conference room there at Redbird Arena, and I'm like, well, this is kind of interesting. So we literally met for two hours, and I'm thinking the whole time, I'm like, what? I, I just want to be a statistician. <laughs> Questions that you probably can't ask in an HR interview anymore. I mean, do you, do you have a girlfriend? How often do you like to see her? And, you know, all these type of things. What is she in basketball? And so at the end of the interview, they finally get to, hey, we're looking for a head basketball manager and want to know if you might be interested. <laughs> they can, you know, you travel with a team, we'll give you a partial scholarship, you know, you'll pay for your books. I'm like, 
wow, my parents would absolutely love if I did that. They'd, you know, save some cost of college. <laughs> so I, I said, yeah, I'd be interested. And they said, okay, give us a couple weeks. We're going to interview. There's some other people that have shown interest in me, the manager, and, um, you know, give us a couple weeks. And I, I literally met Witten Hall um, down there on, uh, next on, on campus, and I walked from Redbird Arena over to Witten Hall, and I get in there. Phones ringing in the party line system that uh, the great dormitories had at the time. Uh, you didn't know if it was for the person up above or down below you, but you picked up the phone anyway. Uh, and it's Coach Moore saying, "Hey, we'd be interested in, in offering you our head basketball manager position." And I'm like, "Holy smokes, that was quick!" Uh, and I, they said, "Would you be interested?" And I said, "Well, yeah." I'm thinking, "Wow, I, get, I actually get to go to you know, guys. I grew up in the Bradley, Illinois State territory. That Valley is is you know." People love the Big Ten. I love the Valley. Illinois State Bradley's me. I'm like, well, I get to go to Bradley for free, and I get to go to Southern. I'm very interested in doing it. So I actually, they said, okay, we want you to, to go to the pickup games. We can't go to the pickup games. We want you to go to the pickup games, be there for the players, get to know who they are, uh, help us kind of get to know because they couldn't attend practices till October right. Right. at the time. So, uh, you know, it wasn't a stool pitch or anything like that, but it was kind of like you're, you're checking out, hey, how the guys do today? And, who was there and, and that type of stuff because it was voluntary, but everybody wanted to play. Right. So literally, so, that, that's so what we got to ask you. You're going going to those pickup games. You're seeing Pemberton for the first time playing. What's the report back to Bender? Uh, I think the first one. Well, I know how he got his nickname. <laughs> okay. I think that, 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 that was the first part. But uh, you know, John, John was definitely uh, the le a leader on that program. I mean, John wasn't afraid to pick up a guy's jersey. Telling me he wasn't playing very well, you know, trying to teach him the Illinois State way. So yeah, that's one thing I could always say about John, you know, true leader in so so many sense of the words, not afraid to say what he what he feels, and always made everybody better. And in those pickup games, I would say the same exact thing. Okay, but I did follow a lot. Trust me, and it, the hard fouls, right? <laughs> because you know, when you, when you're at Southern, they're not calling anything, right? In, in, in Creighton, so we it was there was no fouls in pickup in the in the fall. Right, you call. Yeah, and you, you definitely remember John the times at Southern Illinois, man. That was two by four stacked on each other. You didn't want to take charges or do anything on that court. So you know there, there was nuances to every place, but uh, yeah, you you weren't afraid to sacrifice the body, and it showed. All right, so keep going. You're talking with the coaches. Now you're getting hired as the manager. Yeah, so obviously I'm going to pick up games and, and doing the things there, and then. Uh, season starts, you know, I'm attending practices, doing the things that, that a manager does, showing up an hour before, staying an hour after, uh, working with the athletic training, you know, Ruben Arjona, the, the great Ruben Arjona. Uh, Matt Panish uh, is my co-head manager uh, on the team, uh, his nickname Father Time. Father Time. Uh, I think he's 50 years older than what he actually is, uh, and I think he actually still looks 50 years older than he actually yeah. is, but, you know, Father, Father Time is, uh, is definitely, you know, Matt and I had a great time together, so many stories. Uh, that I could tell, you know, literally, e including the first road trip we ever had, John. So it, it's I was honored to be a part with Matt and uh, those first two years. And then Matt, uh, senior year, Matt did more of the radio and TV stuff as he was trying to get in that business, uh, and I was more the head basketball manager. Now probably what's more considered a director of basketball operations position. Oh, absolutely. All right, so let's talk. We're going to Fairleigh Dickinson in Colorado. So I have told my Colorado story, and this is going to be somebody who actually witnessed the defiling of that gym. So not pretty. Um, but let's talk about Fairleigh Dickinson. We fly out there yeah. in November. Yeah, before we do that, I got to admit, John, when you tell those stories, right, He's sometimes he's a fisherman, right? So, you know, we don't know how much is being embellished over the years. So... We, 
Diner and I are, we can't wait for this story when we get to Colorado, but we'll, we'll talk about New Jersey first, and then we'll get to Colorado. To Colorado is a, is a road trip. It's like <laughs> December 2nd, 4th, or 1st, 3rd. I mean, whoever got this, I think, it, you know, Coach probably inherited the schedule, but that, that's our first road swing. So we, we do our shoot-around. We're in Teaneck, New Jersey. Never been there. Absolutely. About it. So Matt and I decided after shoot-around, we're like, well, we got to get all this stuff washed. And, again, this is our first road trip ever. We, we didn't know for sure what to do. So we literally had all, all the sweaty practice gear. We're like, hey, let's get that done. we got four hours in between. <laughs> right, Let's right. get it done. That way we don't have to worry about it when we get to see you and, and you know that trip and that type of stuff. So Matt and I go to the laundromat. We're in New Jersey. And, you know, Mafia, you hear all these stories. I mean, Sopranos, you know, this is before Sopranos time. So Matt and we get to a laundromat. Nobody speaks English. <laughs> trying to figure out, okay, is this delicate? Is it, you know, all, all the things you got to do is kind of the manager side of things. We can't get the stupid things to dry. And we're looking at the clock. We're like, okay, we still got time. We'll we'll make it. So we literally were like, okay, we can't we can't wait any longer. We got to get the stuff in. We got to go. So we get back in the car and we're completely lost. And guys, this is no GPS, no maps, no nothing. We're like, we didn't go that far. I'm driving. Matt's trying to direct. We see the Meadowlands. We're like, okay, we're completely no idea. So Matt has the brilliant idea. We are late, and this is our first road trip. So we're making an impression on the coaches, the players, all this other stuff. So Matt comes up with the idea, and again, guys, this you know, the perception of New Jersey and the mafia, all this other stuff. Matt goes, hey, let's pull up to this house. They've got Christmas lights on. That looks like a friendly house. Let's just pull up to that house. So I'm like, oh, this is great. Christmas lights, man, it could be anything. So we, we pull up in this house. You know, we get, hey, we're staying at the Sheridan Meadowlands. It's just, oh, yeah, it's just like two blocks over. So, okay, we get over there. We pull in. The bus is literally sitting there. Coaches are standing outside. The players are on the bus. The coaches are outside the, the bus. And Matt and I are coming off with all this equipment. And we're like, oh, man, we're dead. They're going to send us home already. So we have to rush up, throw the stuff in our room, grab our suits, get in the back of the bus. We're changing on the back of the bus. In the back of the bus for the game. We're looking going. <clears throat> now, remember, the, the, the regime I was under the year before, we're thinking, these two, this is New Jersey. They're just going <laughs> to, the bodies will be buried somewhere. We'll have new managers come to flight to Colorado. This will be over. Right? Because here are these two dudes. We've known them for three months, are in the back changing, right? I mean, they're trying to get their ties on and their suits on. And, and I'm we're thinking, we're like, this is great. It's been you nice know, knowing you. Back. So, <laughs> fortunately, coaches were great. I mean, they all understood. Everybody was kind of new. All the coaches were new. We're all trying to figure it out. So it was great. You know, we, we play the game. We get through it, get over to Colorado. So, fortunately, yeah, for, fortunately, we survived, you know, with other incidents in Colorado. So, John, when you're ready for me to go to that story, I can go to that story. We'll roll into that one. So I somehow end up now, and I, I'm on a, I'm on the um, 88 team that gets all of us get food poisoning in Tulsa, Oklahoma, right? And I've been waiting for Sonny to come on to talk about that one. Also, um, there wasn't enough bathrooms in, in the stadium. <laughs> we all had the runs, and we were going out. Fans were looking at us. We were coming out in our, our, our uniforms to go use bathrooms because there's just most locker rooms have two or three that's but especially Tulsa's crappy gym but Colorado's the same thing so now I have food poisoning and altitude sickness and I think I'm dehydrated now this is before they can you know you know Gatorade's just starting to come out and we're they're trying to help me Rube's doing an ama amazing job um, I'm a senior I'm playing there's no way they're not keeping me on the court so we go in and we start playing at about seven minute mark 
I take off and head to the bathroom because it's going to come out both ends. Literally in a position that I'm the I'm the one at the time during that time they didn't have to close the lock. The manager was given a key, so coaches look at me. John's sprinting as fast as John can sprint, and coaches look at me and say, "Hey, you got to meet John and get him to the locker room." And I'm like, "It's not very fast." So I'm literally running behind John, behind John, behind John, and you know I get to the locker room, and unlock the locker room. John, I don't even see him, man. He just goes straight to the toilet, and that—that that was that part of it. And Ruben and I, Ruben's got to deal with you know, the team on the court, but he's also got to worry about John. So it's a, one of those tough things for the their trainer. So I'm in there with John, making sure John's okay, and you know, equipment, uniform, whatever we had to do to make sure John can get back out. Of the court. They got it was a red uniform. Step out of my shoes, get into the shower, try to clean it off as best you can, try to pat dry it. Butter's sitting there looking, come on, Butter's looking at a 6'10 guy and a jock. That's not a good thing for anybody to see. And, and then i got to get dried and back. In, I'm back on the court. I'm back in. I finished first half, right? I finished. I played the whole game. So we probably did that in a... I saw the timeout coming, and I just went. I didn't know the locker room was locked. We never knew that, right? I mean, that was just something that you guys handled always for us. And so um, I've told Steve and John, and, and they got to think, as like Steve said, as a fisherman, this was a tall story. But like I think it was John getting back out there and having to post up, and the guy that's putting a knee you know, in John's butt to try to keep him out of the post, not realizing that it you know, was in John's, you know, in shorts. So, yeah. <laughs> love you, love you. So, you know, just what it is. So, Dan, you survived that first road trip. So, let's talk about more great times. Let's let's talk about the 5-23 and 23 season. Okay. And and we've been looking at some of the stats, and, and if you go look online, it shows that we won four games, but it always shows that we won five. And, we were talking before, you know, this podcast, and you finally solved the mystery for us. How did we get that fifth win? Chicago State, uh, the the brawl on the court. That that game, we we officially won that game seven to nothing. Uh, it was end of the first half. Scott Taylor goes down, is getting choked by a, a Chicago State player. Uh, <laughs> starts the whole rumble in the jungle or whatever you want to call it. Uh, their entire team, Chicago State's entire team comes off the bench. On the Illinois State side, only two of our guys came off the bench. And if you ever see the video of that, if you ever catch a photo of that, you will see Coach Morris as Stretch Armstrong. That guy's got his arms so far out holding players back on the bench. <laughs> Billy, Ray, everybody is holding guys off on that bench to keep everybody there. That fortunately is what saved that game for us. So they wait, you know, they everybody came off the bench for Chicago State ruled them all ineligible. I think there was only two guys that didn't, but they couldn't play with two guys. So, right. based on that, we win 7 to nothing. So, yeah, as I tell the story, we went 5-23, and 23, and one of those games we won by forfeit. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. and, and, and where were you when it, when it broke out? Were I, you I was holding them back? Or? I was sitting across the court, because it was a home game, so I'm across the court keeping stats, uh, because I kept the, the plus-minus points for the, for the team. Uh, and gave them the coaches at halftime so they could kind of see the runs and that type of stuff. So I am literally across the court, directly in front of where Scott is getting choked. I can watch it right there. And I remember Tom LaMonica sitting right next to me, 
and you know, I'm I'm ready to go over and try to help. And LaMonica looks at me and goes, Butter, don't you dare. You sit your butt down, you stay there, they'll handle it. So, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm not gonna be able to do much. I'm five foot eight, I weigh about 135 pounds. So, you know, <laughs> your teammates, guys that you, you are working with, they're your friends, your buddies, your teammates, you wanna go help if you can. But, you know, fortunately I, I stayed out of it and oh my gosh, guys, I, I had a great view of Coach Bender getting his nose broke. Uh, I had a great, you know, uh, position with Antoine being held back by coach and he you know so yeah I, I remember that vividly where I was and how scared of a situation that was because these are very big guys you know causing a brawl on the court with only I think two officials at the time so again it's not a fun situation to be down do you know who the ball boys were underneath the basket I, I almost want to say it was I don't know if it was Tanner Morris and uh, and maybe Larry Lyons' son Matt Lyons yes that line. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I do remember. So Other Scott Taylor's Scott Taylor single single handedly is uh, uh, got ISU one of the five victories. I don't want to say Scott choked and we got the win, but Scott choked and we got the win. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I, I don't know. Keeping coaches keeping all the players back was huge, right? And so um, that I mean, oh, it was amazing. I mean, you go back and look at the photos of that John again. Those, those guys, I'd never seen arms so yeah, far. And again, yeah. our guys, you know. And, and I remember reading the story, and I remember that that story vividly. Chicago State was talking about Chicago State. They were inner city kids, and they were, you know, when they were upset, they were frustrated with fouls. And they said, the coach had said something to the officials that said, hey, if you don't get this under control, my inner city guys are going to take it, get this under control. Uh, and we had guys, obviously, from Chicago. So you didn't know for sure. You know, they, they probably played against each other in high school but, and stuff, how they might react. But Ben, we had talked about this, right, under Donald and that anytime there was a fight, right, those on the court would have to deal with it. Those on the bench had to stay on the bench, right? Well, and as you, as the Big West commissioner, if both teams come off the bench, it's a double forfeit, is it not? Yeah, I mean, right? the NCAA rules are pretty clear on that. But then, you know, as a commissioner, that, that's a nightmare scenario because then you're looking at suspensions and who started it, who was the aggressors. And, yeah, I, I, hope, I hope in my tenure as a commissioner I never have to deal with that. In fact, yeah. I've never had to deal with a fight that big uh, at the yeah. Missouri Valley, the Mountain West, for 21 years running basketball. Now, obviously, the commissioner of the Big West. I haven't had to deal with that big of a situation. Before I've had to deal with sportsmanship issues, coaches calling names right. in the in the you know handshake lines, doing those type of things, but nothing as big as that Chicago State fight. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's crazy, guys. I just saw. I think the uh, non-conference schedule came out for this year. I remember Ron Wellman talking after that game that Illinois State would never play Chicago State again after that incident. And when, whenever I see Chicago State on, <laughs> on the Illinois State schedule, I'm like, what the heck? We, we had Coach Lowenthal on, so we got to ask you this, right? And he's going through that season. He kind of gave the coach's perspective, right, and, you know, how hard it was on the staff, and he kind of made the, the, the players, too. So, you know, as a manager, right, you get to be with the, the coaches, but you're also with the players a lot. So maybe give us a little insight what the players were going through uh, during that season, too. I mean, it was tough. There was, there was, I think, four or five freshmen on that team. We had some walk-ons on that team. I mean, we, we were all excited for that season. I remember Coach Lowenthal talking about it. I mean, we were the first game guys on ESPN. You know, coming off our great season, our great game against Michigan, all this other stuff. We were all excited, you know. Scott Fowler, five minutes before the end of practice. Before the guys are going to go in the shower, we're going to get on the bus and, and drive over to Dayton for six and a half hours. Scott goes down, tears his 
Lincoln it's up in his knee. Uh, and you just talked about deflation. We'd lose by 40. I remember Coach Lowenthal wouldn't say it, but we lost. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, only, the only thing memorable about that game was Dan Patrick actually called the play-by-play for that game. Oh, so, really? Wow. Don't realize that Dan Patrick, because he was a Dayton grad, he called the play-by-play for that game. So that was pretty cool when you're thinking, wow, this is Dan Patrick. Yeah. We just got our butts kicked, but hey, it's Dan Patrick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the players, especially the young guys, really struggled with it. You know, we all saw the success from the year before. We were all kind of waiting for that incident or something, somebody to do something to turn the season around. I mean, I remember Ruben, Matt, myself, all talking, we just had to keep doing the jobs we were doing as managers right, and trainers. Right. I mean, we're doing the same job no matter what. If we're winning or losing, you have to continue to do the job, put the players in the best position you can, make it easy on the coaches. But you know, watching what the players were going through, watching what the coaches were, were how they were trying to motivate the players. I mean, there was a, a stretch during the, during the season where they put them in plain white t-shirts and gray shorts that were probably the tightest shorts I've ever seen. But the players had to write their own number on these white T-shirts, and they got one. They got one T-shirt, and they got one pair of shorts, and that's all the players got. So they had to write their own number on the shirt, and they had to actually take their, their practice gear back to the dorm or whatever. They had to wash it themselves. The coaches were trying to get them to, to deal with accountability and how to deal with adversity and trying to motivate them in some ways. They weren't going to get their practice jerseys back until they played better. you know. So they were doing everything they could, and, and these are things you're just – Holy smokes! You know what, whatever we can do, guys. You know, managers. We're talking to the players. We're just trying to to help them if they needed somebody to talk to, even after practice, to go back to the dorms and just want to chill out and talk and that type of stuff. That's that's yeah. what part of my role yeah. was. Uh, I mean, Elvin and Scott and Todd and all those guys. You know, we just kind of hang out, talk, and figure out what what was good, what was bad, and what we, what could we do. But it was just a it was just a bad season in, in so many ways. I mean, we dealt with travel issues uh we, we played in the i think the oklahoma all-city tournament that year in tulsa there was an american airlines pilot strike and we, i think 24 hours we were in the wichita airport for 18 hours <laughs> we flew from tulsa to wichita and we had a flight to chicago that got canceled we were on like six different airlines ruben was doing everything he could to, to try to get that flight so we're i mean again you go back to the article no, that was a terrible trip we're, i mean you really learn to deal that season with adversity. That season set up the next couple seasons, and really set up the '90s. I think the '90s success uh, for the for the Redbirds in that respect. But uh, even the the Valley Tournament. I mean, we're going in there with the eight nine games. St. Louis. We are in the Keel Opera House, guys. The Opera House. This isn't the Keel Center. This is the <laughs> Opera House that we're. Playing. Our locker room was actually a dressing room with the light bulbs around the mirrors. Uh, <laughs> we're in there practicing. And Reggie Wilson, Reggie, we're, we're in the shoot-around. Reggie, the Valley put down stickers. They weren't decals. These are just stickers like you put in a sticker book. Put stickers down the court with the Missouri Valley logo on it. Well, Reggie slips through the disc at practice. Twists up his ankle, can't play in the game. So we lose that game. We were up by 10 with a few minutes to go. We ended up losing by two. So it, it, again, we finished the season with Reggie going down, who was probably our best player that year uh, because Scott went out. So it, it really was a lot of youth. Very, I hate to say it, little, very little player leadership just because there wasn't a lot of seniors on that yeah, team. Yeah. I think Sam, Sam may have been the only senior on that team. So, and Sam, I love Sam, but Sam's not the most vocal guy. He's not the one that's going to throw you into a locker. Right, right. So, you know, those are the things that I think really challenge that 5 and 23 team. But by being the 8 and 9 team, that, w- that was the very first year the tournament was in St. Louis, correct? Yep. That is correct, yeah. That so, was I- ISU played in the very first Missouri Valley Tournament game 
in St. Louis, right? Played, won the last one at, at Illinois State on, on the Red last one. Arena. Won it, uh, and then uh, lost the first one on the neutral yeah. site. So people were like, yep, see, home, home court advantage. <laughs> <laughs> completely, different, completely different team last yeah. year. Yeah, because so. yeah, at that point, you know, you really have your main contributors is Scott and Richard Thomas, right? And then after that, guys that got some minutes but weren't huge contributors, you know, you five seniors carried the lion's share of that and were graduated. So, all right, so then we're going to move into, we got to go into the next year with Vandegaard, right, at Drake. So let's, this is a great, another great story. So let's hear the Vandegaard story at Drake. Set it up. And this is a great season. So obviously we've turned it around. We are playing well. We've got some seniors with some, or some some players, not seniors, players with some egos. Scott's back. You know, player. The team's doing really well. We are last game of the season at Drake. We're down a couple, you know, one point towards the end of the game. Scott, uh, Mike Vanegar gets gets fouled, and you guys all know Mike because obviously this is Birds fans forever. People hated Mike. Mike was the Christian Leitner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> His ego was probably bigger than Christian Leitner at the Missouri Valley. And I've got great Christian Leitner stories too. But, you know, literally a situation that Mike gets fouled, call a timeout, team comes over. I'm on the, for some reason, I'm on the score table, I think, keep it because we didn't have enough chairs on the bench. I'm keeping some stats right there at the, at the bench um, at, on, the, on the scores table. And I'm looking at Mike like, come on, Mike. He goes, Butter, don't worry. <laughs> my god the son of a gun literally goes up the line hits two walk out of rudy washington and drake and we're like okay won the championship but you know mike's mike's ego literally wrote checks <laughs> his ego was just that big but mike could play oh, yes. and there's still people i mean I, i've got a southern Illinois grad on my staff here at the big west and he still complains about Miami. Uh, so, and this has been 30 years. So, you know, he still complains about the Missouri Valley title at Redbird Arena, too. But we won, so I can say whatever he, whatever he wants to say. But, you know, the, it, Mike, again, Mike, Todd, Chuck Barnes, Scott Taylor, that group really, you know, they, they had it. After that first year, they had us all run. So, in episode five, we talked to. Bob Morris, Coach Speedy Bullet, and he alleged that he knew of a uh, commissioner who had taken a three-point shot in Europe. Is there any truth behind this, and do you know what said commissioner did that? Yes, it, it wasn't a shot. It was actually two shots uh, in, in Europe, and it actually was. Uh, I, I do recognize that commissioner, and that commissioner would be me. Uh, so yes, that, that story was accurate. I was list- I literally listened to that. I'm like, oh crap. He called me out. So I feel like, you know, he pretty much. I think I think he said something like, I know of a Division One commissioner uh, that actually uh, played. I'm like, shoot, that pretty much makes it easy. So yes, I uh, actually got to play uh, in a game. Uh, crazy enough, we were in Antwerp, uh, Belgium, uh, as part of the trip, and we were beating this team. It was a. It was supposed to be a pretty good team. But we were beating them pretty pretty good, and I'm in a suit and tie. Don't ask me why I'm in a suit and tie in August <laughs> in Europe, but that's what we wore as managers. So I just I took it, and that was the outfit I had that day. So I put on a suit and tie, and Coach Bender's walking down the bench. He goes, Butter, you know, he goes, if you weren't all dressed up, he goes, I'd put you in. 
I said, Coach, don't tell me that. Are you serious? <laughs> I mean, that, that's like Rudy, man. That's like a dream come true type situation. So, you know, I literally like, I'm just like, dang, you know, that would have been cool. And Ray Giacoletti, God love Ray Giacoletti. Ray looks at me and goes, hey, Butter, what size shoe do you wear? I said, size 8. Go get dressed. I'm like, what? Let's go get dressed. So, because I, I have dress shoes on. I don't have tennis shoes on. I have dress shoes on. And so Ray goes, we wear the same size shoe. He's wearing his Avia tennis shoes. So I, I grab the freaking equipment bag, man. I run down the other end of the court, glass enclosure. I didn't care who was watching me undress or dress. I didn't even care. I'm changing into a backup uniform. And, you know, I, I literally, Coach Jacqueline gives me his shoes. And it says, you know, Coach Bender says, Butter, come here. We probably, a couple minutes left in the game. Probably, because you didn't have a clock, really. You saw it was like the guy speaking Belgium or something. Uh, <laughs> right there. Like, working. So Coach Bender comes up like a coach, first time ever letting the rookie in, you know, that type of stuff. He goes, Hey, Butter, he goes, don't shoot. Whatever you do, don't shoot. Just play defense. Go out and have some fun. Don't shoot. So, of course, you know, I check in, go in. You know, I can't even remember who, who came out for me. It might have been Chad. Um, Chad Aldana, but I go in and we run an offense. Kago passes me the ball. I'm dribbling the ball. I'm like looking over and, you know, I pass back. I'm like, Coach told me I can't shoot. Well, so then Kago passes it back. And I'm looking over and everybody on the team. The other four guys are holding the rest of the team off. I mean, I literally get the visual of they're holding the other team off. And they're all yelling, shoot, Butterly, shoot, shoot, Butter, shoot. And I look over at the bench. Coach Bender's looking at me. I'm like, what's he going to do? Is he going to leave me in Europe? And I'm like, I got to shoot. So I shoot, and the adrenaline's just throwing. I mean, it's just the adrenaline's pumping. I overshoot it. It goes right over the rim. I'm like, oh, great. Coach is going to pull me out now. Well, we go down, play defense, we get the ball back. Still time, I guess. Again, we don't know how much time's left. So, again, kind of run the thing. I'm like, okay, coach is going to kill me. They throw me the ball again, and again, Vandegaard. I'm looking at Vandegaard, and Vandegaard's finally shoot the ball. And I'm so, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm literally, there's nobody around me. I mean, it's, it's like 10 feet between me and anybody else around me. So I'm like, okay, I'll just shoot it. I shot it. Most beautiful shot you'll ever see, guys. I got the highest three-point shooting percentage in, in LA State history. 50% all the history. I run down the court like I just scored a European soccer goal. Uh, I am literally you know, high-fisted high and doing all this other stuff, and I'm, I'm just screaming, yelling. All of a sudden, I can see the, the coach's wives are over there yelling and screaming. They're all yelling. Coach Bender got the smile on his face like, oh, shit. He actually made the shot. So, yeah. I will admit to it. It's been 30 years now. I don't think the NCAA could come after us for that now. But you know, literally, it's, maybe I guess it's been to be the commissioner for a week. I don't know. But, you know, could be a. You know, I know that there is video. Uh, I know that because uh, I've got the, I've got a VHS that has the video on it, and I know there was a post game interview, and I literally I had the number 23 jersey on. Michael Jordan was famous at the time. I'm like, yeah, just like mine. Just like mine. So yeah, so that that is the story. I will I will admit I am that Division One commissioner that actually played on the European trip. I was fortunate to go on that trip because I'd already that was my last year at Illinois State, and this trip was in August. And Coach Bender said, "Hey, for all the work you've done, I'd like to take you. You know, for all for all the work you've done, that type of stuff." So I was honored to be able to go to be a part of it. Ruben and I and Martha and, and the whole you know the eight players we took everybody just kind of hanging out, having some fun in Europe, and a lot of stories that. I won't go into what happens in Europe stays in Europe. But yep. That story, I will, I will admit to that. So you're going to have to find me that VHS tape because that has got to be up on Bird Fans Forever, right? Um, and if you have it, 
I'm assuming your conference has the technology to cut VHS back, but if it doesn't, I've been your boy for 30 plus years. Get it to me. I can get it cut to uh, and send it back to you with a DVD and a media copy of it. And so, but there is a rental fee. Probably, probably be much safer coming to you, John, than it would be coming to my staff. I, I anticipate that my staff heard some of the things that were on that tape. I probably wouldn't uh, wouldn't live some of those. Things. <laughs> so, so here's the important question, and maybe you don't know this. In the box, <laughs> in the box uh, score. Who got credit for the the, the basket? Ooh, 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 that, ooh, that was that was a great great question, Steve. Because I didn't go into it, John. Who did I get the points? Todd Kegel. He took your points. He did. So okay, Kegel. But yep. then, you know, that's uh, I had to give it to the senior, and that, that was the uh, that was the whole crux of it. You guys called it into the panograph, and Kegel took the points. Yep. So well, you know, it, it was one coach said, "Hey, Butterly, you can't tell anybody, you know, that back home that you played. You can't tell the panograph." That you got in the game, and, and I was actually I was working for the Panagraph. I was in, working in advertising at the Panagraph at the time. I took that time off, so you know, obviously, I, I'm having to call back to Brian Bloodworth and tell Brian, give him the, the breakdown of the stats and all that stuff, so they could run things in the Panagraph. So we're going through the stats, and it was like, I'm like, oh, shoot, who am I going to give it to? I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll give the three to that. So that's that's the that's story. ended up in the next two three. Yep. There you go. And bird fans forever. There's a reason this is my favorite podcast. Like, I feel like I just feel like I just confessed my basketball. Uh, basketball <laughs> All right, so if we're gonna go down to your sins, right? What what happens at I, Bob Bender's basketball camp can no longer stay at Bob Bender's basketball camp. You ready to tell this one? And I just heard this one today too. This is classic. Again. There's so many things that go on behind the scenes people don't know about. And obviously, we got basketball camps during the summer. And at the time, back then, back in the 90s, you could not, Illinois State basketball players could not work Illinois State basketball camps because it was one of those things seen as a recruiting thing or trying to keep your players, that type of stuff. So, you know, our guys would go over and work other camps in the region or, or that. But obviously, Coach Bender was from Duke. He recruited Christian Leitner, Bobby Hurley, Thomas Hill, Grant Hill, you know, those guys. So, those guys would come to Illinois State's camp. And coach would, would pay them for a speaking fee or you know those type of things well you know i got to meet bobby and, and christian and uh you know christian comes over to the camp and coach is like hey butler i need you to take christian back to the airport and i'm like okay bloomington he goes no peoria he goes you're from the peoria area he goes you know how to get there he goes christian's got you know this 330 flight i need you to get you back over there so i'm like okay wow you know my 1980 oldsmobile christian leitner over to this is 90 you know, 91, something like that is, you know, so my car is not, it's old beat up like a college kid's car is. And I'm like, I got Christian Leitner on my car. So, you know, we're, we're driving, talking, and, you know, Christian's ego's really big. You know, not as big as Mike. <laughs> uh, and, you know, being in that position that Christian's like, hey, Dan, I'm kind of hungry. Can we get something to eat before we go to the airport? I'm like, yeah, Peoria Airport doesn't have anything, you know, at the time. So I'm like, boy, I'll tell you what, Christian, I know a great place. There's a place called Avani's. Do you like Italian? Do you like the sandwiches? He goes, yeah. He goes, that sounds great. Italian beef, man, that sounds great. So there's not, if you know Peoria, you know that you have to take 474. There's nothing out there. So I have to take Christian to someplace to get an eat. So I take him over to Bradley, over on Main Street. There's Navani's over there. I take Christian in. We go to the takeout area, and we order food. I'm like, oh, you know, shoot, it's getting kind of late, man. we got to get going. So we end up hitting traffic, you know, going through down to, you know, the area and trying to get back over to the interstate. So I get Christian to the airport. His flight, again, is at 3.30. We show up at like 3.28. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, God, we're at the gate. Like, 
Thank goodness we made it. Well, the flight attendant's like, I'm sorry, sir, we can't get him on the plane. I'm like, what? She goes, we've already done the weights and measurements. I'm sorry, we can't get him on the plane. I said, the plane's right there. Please, let him on. I'm like, oh my God, coach is going to kill me. What, what am I going to do? Uh, so they won't let him on. I said, 258 pounds. He weighs 258 pounds. He's 6'11". Everybody knows he's going to get on the plane. Pilot, you just tell Pilot's Christian Leitner's trying to get on the plane. They go, sorry, we can't do that. Uh, so I have to get Christian out of town. I have to get him on a plane. Well, I, just, I had just gotten a Discover card. My own first, like my first personal credit card. It had a, like a $500 credit limit on it. So I'm like, what can I do? And she goes, well, there's another flight that goes through Nashville, then Nashville down to Durham. She goes, we can get him on that flight. It'll cost you about 250 bucks. I'm like, oh my God, okay, that's probably how much I'm going to make all summer long. <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah, I got to do it. I don't want Coach to know about this. I, I just want Coach to know that he got off safe, I did my job, and that type of stuff. So Christian, I get him on the flight. He's good to go. I get back in the, in the car, and I'm like, okay, I, nobody has to know. And then the only thing that's going through my my head, guys, is like, oh, my God, I hope this plane doesn't crash. <laughs> and, you know, Christian later died because Butler got in there late and was on the wrong flight. I mean, that, that would be the story, you know, the, the dream team or you know, all, all this other stuff. But I get back to the, get back to camp, and Coach Bender comes up to me, and he's like, so, Butler, how'd it go? And I'm like, yeah, Christian's good. He, he, got, on, he got on a flight. You know, he, he's good to go. And Coach keeps prodding a little bit. He's kind of like, so every, everything was good. Got him something to eat, all this other stuff. Yep, got him something to eat. And he just keeps poking. He's like, Butter, how much you know, how much was it to plane ticket? I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was in, I just didn't know there He goes, how much was the plane ticket? He goes, I said it was about 250 bucks. I, you know, I, I can't lie. I'm not that kind of guy. I'm not going to lie. So coach is like, okay. He goes, we'll reimburse it through the camp fees, that type of stuff. But he goes, there, there's a story you can tell down the line. So. That was one of those stories that you know you, you're literally driving back as a manager. You go back to the fairly Dickinson story that you know showed up late. You know like you don't want to disappoint the coaches and you know the players and all this other stuff. As a manager, you just want to be behind the scenes and just do the job, and make sure everybody's successful. Lo and behold, you know show up a few minutes late, trying to do something good for Christian, trying to get him a good right, meal, right. and then I end up. But yeah, so thank goodness he landed on time. Made the dream team, did all his things. Christian Leitner was Christian Leitner. So. <laughs> all good. And you got reimbursed. It's all that matters. So, all right. So we got we got three stories to tell. Tulsa, Wichita, and the Creighton game. So we talked about the Creighton game with um, Coach Lowenthal and the fight. And Dan's going to be, he was in the locker room during it. So he's going to do, we're going to close with that one. But for right now, I'm going to kick it off with the Tulsa Interesting fact, I never beat Tulsa at Tulsa. Every other Missouri Valley Conference team, I have got wins on their court. I never lost to Tulsa at home, so I split it 50-50. Now, the Wichita game my senior year, Butter, what was our problem? Problem there, Wichita was the best place to go to during my time at Illinois State because we always stayed at the Marriott. It was the marquee hotel in the city of Wichita. And at the Wichita Marriott, at the same time Illinois State would go out there was the Miss USA pageant time. It was probably the greatest road trip every year. Not because we had to play in the roundhouse, but because the Miss USA pageant was in the Marriott at the same exact time Illinois State was there. And they always seemed to be parading through in their bathing suits when we were heading to the game. I mean, it was just like, it's like Wichita planned it, right? And so... Yeah, I mean, you want to go use the pool. I mean, as much as we wanted to you know, swim and do that type of stuff, couldn't do it without you know Good. seeing all the Miss USA patents in their swimsuits, getting their photos taken. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. It's a tough life sometimes. 
Yeah, crazy. <laughs> so, then we go, before these games, we, we go to Creighton. We, like I said to Coach Lowenthal, we lay an egg. We don't play well. It's late. One, two, three o'clock in the morning because we fly back. We're in the locker room. Uh, in the original Redbird locker room, which isn't the locker room the players have today, today is the Taj Mahal. We were in concrete blocks with metal lockers that are from the 60s that probably were taken out of Horton Fieldhouse. But <laughs> you, you come in through the door and there's a privacy wall, right? And then, then there's a 15 by 15 room that had chairs in it that we would have a dry erase board and we'd talk. And then there was a long little aisle with lockers on both sides that the players would get dressed on. And then the showers and bathrooms were around the corner. So the coaches would always be behind this wall while Coach Bender talked to us. So the night of the incident, Coach Bender leaves, and it's just us. Butter, your turn. Yep, very much so. So you're, you're right. So you, you got that half wall, you got the door in, you got the half wall, and you got kind of the, the doorway area. So I am literally standing right at the half wall, watching all the players on the couch, in the chairs, everybody kind of just, you know, kind of a players-only discussion is like, what the heck is going on with the season? We're 6-9, and nine. we should have had that game, and we're fortunate, John, we were able to charter. I mean, teams nowadays don't charter as much. We were able to charter, so we were able to get back. But yeah, everybody's tired. I mean, it's 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning, uh, and it's just a frank discussion, an absolutely frank discussion, and... I, I'll never forget the, the conversation. I'll never forget the words and the passion um, and the, the team that was there. I mean, the guys really wanted to win and try to figure it out. And to see the player that got up and pretty much say, you know what, you're a punk, you're a punk, and then bam! <laughs> and you just like, holy smokes, did that just really happen? And then you know, the little melee melee goes on, and you talk about moments you remember and turning around a season. There was no doubt that the effort of that individual to wake up the team with that kind of move turned around that season. We were six and nine going into that one. We finished eighteen and twelve in the regular season, second place in the league, win the tournament, go to the NCAA tournament, obviously lose freaking Higgins. Uh, to the you know, to the so, uh, so you know, literally that moment. As you look at moments that turn around life events, that type of stuff, that was a moment that, that turned around that that season. Yeah, that was our wake up call, right? I mean, I've said this. I think we all wanted to win. Um, we just needed to get past some baggage, and that is our moment to do that. And so, um, and truly, and truly, a wake up call, John. It was an early, early in the morning. I mean, God, tired. Yeah. <laughs> see, I don't think anybody went to sleep. You're, You're exhausted, smoke, right? Yeah. You're exhausted. To, to yeah. kind of talk to coaches and that, that type of stuff and just be on both sides, as I talked about earlier. You're with the coaches on the staff during the day. You're with the players at practice and, you know, post at, at study halls and, and team meals and that type of stuff. But just just a crazy time. You didn't know for sure what was going to happen after that, but holy cow. Yeah, we, turned yeah. we did. We did. We started playing to our potential. And we started playing as a team. So he woke some guys up, and that player ended up uh, having much more of a role yeah. after that point. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. 
So, Dan, thank you very much. Any closing comments here before we wrap this up? Big man. You know, John, it, it literally, this has been great. You know, I, I love this podcast that I talked about earlier. I mean, reflecting on the memories, reflecting on the moments, uh, the things that, that you learn so many, all of us, learn so many things on life skills in college. Redbird basketball is the reason I'm, at, I'm where I'm at today. I mean, obviously, I had amazing parents that got me to Illinois State that pay, helped me pay for college. Uh, was offered this opportunity coming out. Just want to keep the stats, guys. I just want to keep the stats. <laughs> <laughs> basketball manager and, and you know, being in a position now that I'm a commissioner of a Div- Division One conference. And I go back to the foundations that Coach Bender, Coach Lowenthal, Billy King, Ray Giacoletti, Bob Morris, Eric Hughes, Matt Panish, John Pemberton, Sonny. I mean, I can go through the whole roster of all the players. Uh, we, could, we could pick up the phone and talk to each other at any time. Um, you know, pick it up like we were just – could be three years, but it feels like yesterday type yeah, of thing. Yeah. Um, but I learned how to deal with adversity. I knew how to, you know, things that said in the locker room stays in the locker room. The same thing my philosophy is, things that said in my office stays in my office. I mean, you learn a lot. Uh, I, I learned how to travel, you know, how, how to deal with flight cancellations. <laughs> watch and watch and Ruba deal with. So, again, these are all life lessons that I learned as being a part of this team at Illinois State. And, you know, Doug Elgin took a risk on me. And one of the things that I, I interned at the Missouri Valley, uh, and ended up being a full-time staff member at the Missouri Valley. And Doug said at the time, he said, you know, I've always had this philosophy of hire a manager. Managers are detail-oriented. Yep. Uh, they get the job done. They're not looking for the spotlight. They just get the job done to work. Uh, and I found out you know, a few years later that Doug's college roommate, was his last name was Butterly. wasn't any relation that I know wow. of. It's kind of its world. You know, Doug took a risk on me as a former manager. Yeah. Uh, and the manager at the time in the, in the Missouri Valley had great relationships. We all helped each other. We all, you know, we were all really good friends, and still are. And it's it's interesting. I know where all they're all at, and we all keep in touch. That is awesome. But you know, that's it, Doug started kind of that Kevin Hurley to Brian Roberson to me and Aaron Boutwell, uh, you know, as, as interns at the Valley. And Doug told me, hey, I've got a potential full time job if you can. And I I was in the office of three other two other people that were interning three of us, and I got the full time job. And, that is awesome. You know, it's crazy enough now in 1993. That I, I started in the conference office. It's 2022, crazy enough, and now I'm a commissioner of one of only 32 commissioners of a Division One conference. Absolutely, and, you know, proud to represent the Big West and you know do everything I can for our student athletes every single day because of guys like John Pemberton and the, and the memories that I have with all of my teammates in Illinois State. Appreciate you, love you, brother. All right, man. So this is Bird Fans Forever podcast episode 14. Hit it, Mr. Engineer. <laughs>